0: Namo more to serve a to summa sum but more to serve So, training in body and training in mind. Mm. And training in body, embodiment is uh, uh, to get the sense of direct mm. and felt quality of what is experienced, direct and the felt. Uh, so, even non verbal. Just be aware and conscious of the uh, qualities of how one verbalizes one's experience, because this itself can be uh, uh, can be a help, can be a guide, can be a pointer, but <coughs> can also overlay the experience. So, what is directly felt in the body? The training of that is to get. it uh, Direct, because in the overlays of experience begins the process of uh, proliferation, diversification historicization, identification uh, adding a, a historical and uh, uh, personal uh, layers to experience that uh, obstruct uh, the release of that experience the, re- the freedom, the release of that experience in the here and now Which is why we train in embodiment. So we might experience something, feel this is, uh, uh, experience a quality, we feel this is uh, <coughs> feeling angry or upset. Uh, and then I'm a, you know, why I'm angry and upset, feeling angry and upset, feeling a sense, feeling an energy, feeling a sensation. First level of verbalization, I am angry and upset. I have a problem. This is a problem, I have a problem. Uh, angry and upset, my problem. I am a person that gets angry and upset. Uh, I do this quite a bit, getting angry and upset about and then what they did at the office and so on and so on and story and then how I can deal with that person next time I see them. I should really tell, speak my mind and try and prepare a strategy to meet them when I get off retreat so I'll handle a bit more carefully this time <laughs> So this is not a, not even a particularly bad set of uh, verbalisation. See the intention is skillful, but have we really released? Have we actually taken out the thought uh, of of the experience? No. And for sure, if all that thorn is in there, then you you might find a way of skillfully addressing this person, but chances are that when you get there, you won't quite hit the mark, or they won't listen the way you expected them to, or you just get ready to really tell them what you think about them, and they'll come and give you a box of chocolates, but they're supposed to be angry at you. (laughs) They ruined it. (laughs) This whole thing worked out. How I was going to deal with you? people <laughs> <laughs> just don't play fair, do they? And yeah, then of course you know that as that thorn is there. Then the, the, the next time that gets triggered it will be another something else that does it. As the wound seeks an arrow. Uh, it seeks an arrow, the wound seeks an arrow to fit snugly into it. And you'll do. You know, that, that thing you said, that will fit my wound. So. And so it goes, because the wound hasn't closed. And we don't know how to stop being wounded. The issue, that's you know, the way life is. But the, uh, the Buddha and the Arahants are thornless and woundless <laughs> in a world of thorns and wounding. It's it kind of this in mind. Why? Not because they've strategised every encounter, they've worked it out while they were sitting meditating, they schemed it out, but uh, because they've uh, done something else, they developed in body and they've developed in mind. So, development in bodies to direct, so we're actually entering more directly the place of the wound and the thorn, or the wound and the arrow, or whatever you want to call it. Mm The impact impressions, and the activations that occur around that, the agitation, the distress. It occurs around that, the excitement, the passion that occurs around that, the activations, the sankara that arise, and when it's more directly <coughs> sensed, there's no real... History isn't right there. History, yeah, yeah, there are historical events that fit that, and may indeed have established that, but how do we get clear of the past? If it is past, why is it here? because the wound hasn't uh, closed. So every time that wound is touched, then a little bit of the past seems to uh, arise. And that's a good indication when that occurs, then we know our oh, narrowing to something that's got some, some uh, acquisition to it. It's an acquisition. It's something that's been patterned in. Maybe the person has now passed or gone away or here, that patterning is there. That's called, that's the sankara. It's a pattern program, an activation program. Yeah. So push this button, this series of responses will occur. That's an activation program, or a sankara. And every time it runs, it uh, re-energizes that uh, message. That's why. It can seem so perpetual, but I always have this because it, it reactivates and that, that run of energy rushes through the embodied mind and feels like me, feels like me because it's familiar, carries it a sign of familiarity and it's energetic so it captures my attention it's flare. It's energetic. It catches my. It has. It brings feeling with it, so it catches my attention. It stirs up my mind. It catches attention. So that which becomes a centre of one's attention and familiar, well, that's me. That's myself. And to a certain extent, that's true. But uh, you realise that we've quite a few selves. You know, there's your happy self, your affectionate self, your warm-hearted self, your sorry self, your apologetic frightened self, your miserable self, your courageous self. There's quite a lot of them because they're all, well, they're impermanent as they say, they're not self, they're programs or activations, some skillful, some beautiful, some to be treasured, some to be welcomed, some definitely distressed, causing suffering. And pain. Sankara. Sabe Sankara Anicca. All Sankaras are Anicca. Anicca, absolute, permanent. Anicca, relative, changeable. It's a relative self. It so, means it persists for a few seconds or a moment or two or. And it can be, can be re- reactivated, mm. so in the way that program is an embedded program. Mm. The familiarity, the embeddedness of it becomes an acquisition. Mm. And as one meditates then you know, we tend to come into this territory of the acquisitions. Because suddenly you know, the here and now landscape is pretty undramatic just sitting, walking silence clean the desktop as it were, so what comes in is the stuff in the bottom drawer and that's why it, it, this very simple practice can seem sometimes so overwhelming and intense because the material comes out of the bottom drawer that hasn't been uh, cleared with these acquisitions uh, and they have their intensities to them so you know development in terms of body does bring this to light but it also um, brings to light hopefully an entire um, resources first resource a sense of Presence and uh, direct presence in the here and now. Not just an idea or theory, uh, but a real a kind of felt quality, gravity, ground, safe, steadied, somewhere in there, there's that. Mm-hmm. And when I say in there, uh, remember what I'm using is the basis. Is the what we would normally call it, immaterial or subtle material experience, and really this um, you know though conventionally speaking we tend to designate things as material such as metal and rock, immaterial thought, emotion. Really, in, in truth, there there's gradations <laughs> uh, and. Uh, you know, as we acknowledge in, in, in um, contemporary science, materiality has been dismissed. Everything is just energy shifting in different configurations with different speeds, and uh, <coughs> it's just in a you know, quantum universe of energies shifting around. But still, on an on a ordinary day level, we talk about you know, material things and immaterial things, or immaterial qualities. But in terms of dhamma, it's also the same. There's no real, final, you know, material immaterial. There's designations, but actually they are just gradations of qualia, of dhamma's characteristics, with different degrees of intensity and uh, familiarity and uh, impression. That give rise to the sense of materiality, but of course, you know, sometimes your thoughts are like rocks, uh, and your uh, sorrows are like floods, like water. When we come to so contemplating the body, as uh, we saw, this realm of the elements, they that crosses the material immaterial. They're both figurative and they're literal. Yeah, clearly the, uh, the body is not what we'd normally call earth, but it has this substantiality quality to its, to its uh, experience. <coughs> even though it's just, it is still energetic in that there are different qualities of that and they change and flow. Sometimes the body directly felt it was very solid, sometimes it feels very liquid or even airy. Yeah. As direct experience, and so what we're looking at subjective experience. So when I say in the body, I mean in this realm of the subjective qualia of what we experience as body. So within that experience of degrees of substantiality, degrees of caloricity, fluidity, and so forth, within that. really within that not in some kind of place behind your sternum or somewhere like that although you may sense it there Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you sense it because it's the quality of ground which is where the, the movements are lesser or relax or stabilize the pressure eases it becomes cool, or mildly warm, you know, whatever, because these are just def- ways of recognizing it's somewhere, but essentially the quality of safe is there, safe, steady, and something where other things can relax or rest or don't uh, disturb it within this body there is this, with this embodiment there is this, <coughs> this quality <coughs> yeah. mm. maybe this is what's called the deathless property or the element mm. another element mm. it doesn't do the other stuff and so abiding in that and, let, and drinking that in and making much of that and then one has the potential through skillful cultivation to extend that, to um, stay with that and begin to touch into the more affective, afflictive, activated material the graduated process. How is this? From my place of truth, how is this? And so without the story, without the history, without even without the person, it just how is this even without the person, ideally without the person, the person can get in the way at this point. Feel the feeling as a feeling. Hmm. and relate to the feeling in that grounded way, like how is this? And even in compassionate way. Uh, uh, for extending, extension, ability to extend and, and widen is really the movement of heart. Yeah? So it's not a pushing out, it's an extension of heart. When we say, may I be, or may there be, or may you be, what those words, is we open and widen to include, don't we? May you be, well, if you really get that, something new opens up to, may that which is other than me, other than this, may that also be in my sphere of concern, and whatever good and happiness is here, may that extend that way. That's heart. That's what hearts do when they're when they're, on, when they're in touch with the ground. That's their nature is to extend, because that's what they do. <laughs> you know, if, it, if it doesn't do that, it's, it's frozen. It's 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 locked. It's uh, frightened or it's somehow afflicted. Hearts' nature is to, to Extend because they're, they're resonant they're empathic uh, uh, quality, and we can do this. It naturally extends where there's that easy invitation one feels welcome, one feels invited, one feels received with benevolence, and naturally opens that way. Yeah, and now we're just working with that can this open towards that which is painful this is the quality of compassion Mm -hmm. so you see something that is miserable, dejected, hurt broken living creature and you know what do you do from your place of ground what happens naturally a sense of "Oh. oh dear and you want to be with it something wants to be with it. Now it could be the case that the heart is so shocked and no overwhelmed it closes. If the heart is stronger, more rich, more endowed, more grounded, more stabilized, it tends to open towards that which is suffering with a sense of, I just want to be part of this, I want to wrap around this, I want to be with this. Is art verbal? It's that movement? conscience and concern, kindness and compassion. And of course, mudita, (coughs) maybe of course isn't the right word, but mudita, Uh, there where one sees or experiences the well-being, the beauty, uh, uh, the freedom of something, the mind opens with a sense of sharing the delight. You You see the great crane taking off from water, you feel oh, the beauty of that bird's capacity to fly, mm. how graceful. You'd see someone perform something, an act of excellence, even gymnast or musician, you know, oh, well done, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You enjoy it, don't you? And similarly, when one experiences other people's goodness, and you think, oh, that's beautiful. It was lovely what she did and said. Mm-hmm. You can do that when it's grounded in this place, and when it's contracted, it tends to be, well, how come he's so good and I'm not? <laughs> how come she gets all the plaudits and nobody notices me? And it's it's not grounded; it's it's gone into a me form, which separates us. There's only one me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so this is where the, the, the personal, we do move out of the personal. It doesn't mean we're anonymous or unfeeling and, and sterilized. We do move out of the person to something more uh, shared. And that's something we do probably regularly. Mm-hmm. In detail. The joy others, fortune, skill, grace, beauty, accomplishment it's great because then you know it's all, everybody wins don't they it's not just um, you, you also win when you don't do anything apart from enjoy somebody else's good fortune which is which is great really you can do that because you don't have to do it yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be the brilliant chess player or the uh, whatever you know. Good. So then there's this is lovely sense in which rather the jealousy or the despond about not being good enough, you can tune in, you can raise to that level, then uh, then there's this sense of, of uh, well-being. And now uh, this is actually beginning to cultivate that in this domain, which we take as myself, <laughs> this body, this person, direct domain of here, which very much seems to be myself. And that's its direct, but it's also, this is its drawback. You know, one can get very self-obsessed in meditation, because of everything that's there, in a way, is, that's its problem, it is me. <laughs> or it's marked as me. Yeah. And that certainly catches the attention but it's also part of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the that which has to be unravelled. Clearly, we're not going around saying it's me all the time, but the, what, where does the me experience come from? Well, the familiarity of yeah, form, familiarity of appearance, the familiarity of external appearance, the familiarity of, of mental states. Which conjure up historical personal stuff. Mm. Mm. Get more direct. Where does the me directly happen? Mm. Because directly. And it's uh, explained in one of the suttas when there's contact, contact, feeling. When there is contact, uh, one feels. So it starts to come in as the object or that which feeling lands on. Feeling lands on me. That's where it starts. It lands on me. And perception I I am moved by that. I recognize that. And then activation I feel I yeah. So perception, I feel affected by that. Activation, I'm getting annoyed, I'm getting irritated. So it starts off as just I am the object that things land upon. And then uh, I take a little more dimension. I, you know, I start to def- get defined by being landed on, by a feeling. And then activation occurs. I'm getting excited, upset, confused, and then it starts. You know, the script runs out. So, uh, just to so this is the development in mind. Is development in mind is to use the the capacity to. Uh, Wisdom is that which, um, well, like, dissects experience, or um, differentiates experience into different, mo- different modes. It's finer. So, okay, there's the feeling. Where does it? How does it land on? What is the me that it lands on? Yeah. Now. That the, the kind of recognise that there isn't a me until it lands. Now, because we're always feeling something, there seems to be a background me because something is being felt. And if you look at the particular quality of them, so, just take this because you can't really start with a blank slate. But say you know, sitting and then there's say say just the some like a physical pain occurs. And then the me that lands on is what? the hurt, the shock, the withdrawing, the challenged. There's yeah, you know, so but the challenged me arises in conjunction or momentarily after the pain. So the me is the result feeling rather than the agent who's sitting there and then suddenly a feeling lands on her. So the specific me that's there is the result of contact, result of contact, not a preceding agent or a preceding entity. The specific me that arises is the result of contact. So, and this is, this perception arises, perception of self arises as a result of contact. That's kind of more or less pretty instantaneous. And for you know, for for most people, then the practice will be: how does that me that has arisen? The desperate me, the confused me, the weary me, whatever. How to, rather, than the activation that would spring from that: the desperate me, the can't do it me, the impotent me, the victimised me. Trying to make it another way to fix it, me. You know, those the I-ams that arise. Is it possible to ameliorate that or check that before that jump occurs? And these this particular point, the place between perception and activation, is the place of? Uh, of wisdom, practice, of mind. How you cultivate mind, training in mind. You begin to discern there is a characteristic difference between the me arises from the feeling, the impact of feeling itself, and the I am that runs out from that feeling. So we tend to categorize all this as I am feeling stressed. But there's three separate factors. Feeling, pleasure, pain, perception. This is a pain in my leg. A flash of recognition, a designation of it. And then I am, comes up doing something about it or trying to find out what to do about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but, but basically for, you know, it's very difficult to separate the feeling from the perception, but you can get some separation between the perception feeling and the sankhara, the activation. That's where mostly we will place our determination attention, our skills that we may have developed and are often continually encouraged to develop we might say as our foundation practice for which once again I would say it's 90% maybe is foundation. Uh, it's like, like any skill, any art, any exercise <coughs> 90% of it is preparation training, and then you do the one performance for 15 minutes that you spent three years training for. (laughs) But you couldn't do it without the three years of training, Till it becomes more or less spontaneous to think it through. And what we're training in as foundational practice is certain qualities of stability. the uh, atmosphere and the encouragement to stay on on, on ground, on an open, receptive, stable state, so to clear the unnecessary uh, sankharas that could just be jangling around, uh, uh, you know, messing up the picture, because you really want to deal with just the one signal at a time. And that's the aim of, of samadhi, is to just trim it all down. So you're getting rid of the surplus signals, the static, the crackle, the interference of ruminations and discursive thinking, and clogging up of the mind with dullness, boredom, boredom apathy, or agitation. Which means the whole area you can't deepen into these acquisitions because you're always just still scurrying around the desktop. Adding new bits to it. You want to clear the desktop so stuff can come out of the bottom drawer. And you've got a clear surface to deal with. So that's one of the aims of Samadhi and one of the um, uh, uh, qualities of ground. And we have cleared, or well, there is this place of clarity, steadiness where whatever lands on the desktop is not going to be the immediate kind of scurrying and uh, or we you don't at least have a clear desktop, it's not all kind of quivering with agitation and doubt. It's relatively steady I and mean, you know, the place where stuff touches you. Is it possible it's in training oneself to plant at that place the determination that may I be well? Uh, how to stay open, steady, to generate or uh, be attuned to the qualities of kindness, compassion, goodwill, uh, enjoyment, Mm -hmm. attuned to the qualities of uh, deepening, steadying, uh, firming up, firmness, unity rather than fragmentation not jumping <coughs> concepts so training in samadhi and in the way of it even if it's not perfected definitely begins to incline much one much more to sensing things without having to have uh, concept, thought conception which is great because then we're gonna handle things much more fluently, much more directly than thought conception, which is always a representation of experience. And thought conception can't do what we're trying to do. It's just its job is elsewhere. Its job is in dealing with abstractions. That's its job. Uh, The job of the body, the embodied mind, is to deal with this direct experience. So for this we've got to sense such qualities as stepping back, Viveka. Pausing. Stepping back, finding an open ground rather than a constricted space, giving yourself time. Stepping back, giving yourself more time. Don't have to have an immediate response. In fact, best not to have an immediate response, often to step back should be your immediate response to open, to not suddenly clamp on experience, be vacant. Uh, dispassion. We're not aiming to uh, get to result, make things go away, find an answer, we're just we're trying to look at, uh, maintain emotional. Corners and uh, certain what dispassion means. Mm -hmm. So that we're resisting the proliferation of sankharas at that moment, that moment when we get affected. We're stepping back, so that's going to help to check the immediate pressure and rush of them uh, we're sense of cooling, so we're favouring cooler easier responses rather than knee-jerk rushes, surges of passion uh, so we're favouring or, or allowing or creating the ground for, for wise responses responses that have got a certain sense of of calm and uh, discernment to them rather than immediate make this happen, stop this happening responses, passionate responses hmm. and so if we cultivate like this you know, and then you begin to sense actually this itself is already pretty, pretty good just if I can learn to receive my pain my distress, my discomfort, my angst, whatever it is, and instead of going to that anguishing, and lamenting, and tangling, and proliferation, and tightening up, I could just even sort of maintain a reasonable degree of equilibrium. Uh, that's, that's It's like that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how I should be or shouldn't be. That's okay. It's like that. Something stops. Cessation. What stops is the I am stops, or an aspect of the I am stops. The besieged, the desperate person stops being created. Mm-hmm. so this is an example of what's meant by cessation of sankara. A certain sankara. Yeah, you know, we begin to recognise some of these sankharas. It you know, is relative. There is some choice over it. It is of the nature to change. And then, if there isn't that, I am this, and I act in this way. Then, what begins to uh, occur is there's a gradually a lessening of the intensity of the affliction because I don't get quite so rattled by it anymore. And I also I don't do the kind of distraction things that I used to do before. I don't do the self judgment I used to do before. I don't do the self criticism it's all my fault that I used to do before. I don't do the self disparagement of what a basket case I am anymore. Uh, that's a relief. A bit of pain. <laughs> yeah, but so everybody gets this. Uh, at least I'm not doing the, the uh, you know, the imprisonment and self-mutilation job that I used to do it myself. <laughs> well, that's an accomplishment of some kind. So, you know, you start to, A bit of Mudita there, you know. Uh, so, you know, and uh, so then... Less, less of the driving the arrow in to the wound and stirring it around. Making it bleed again. Yeah. And so the dispassion, relinquishment. This isn't, you know, me as some final statement. And there's the place where that piece ends, and I'm just. So, yeah, something, life is painful, disagreeable. There is this quality, mm. just like everyone else. Cooling, <laughs> quieting, broadening, softening. This has long term effects. Because we're in an intelligent system, we are an intelligent system, and the feedback of there's an effect of that dispassion and relinquishment that's embodied. Because we're practicing in body and in mind, and the effect of that mental, you could say, understanding has an embodied effect. You come back a little richer, a little easier because we haven't jangled and broken and dissociated and fractured we come back whole, complete as we do so that pain, certainly that painful memory doesn't do what it used to do as the whole system as a wholeness can digest that and swallow can relieve that it's just a memory like a million others so it's like this I think one of the um, uh, I think pragmatic, or kind of like a personal, anecdotal way of of getting some of this. I think Mm -hmm. the Dalai Lama once said, it's something like, somebody said, do you have any painful memories of things you wish you'd done another way? He pondered, oh yes, oh yes. But, you know, you have to choose to find it. You have to look back and think, let me think. Oh yes, I wish I had done this, you know, I forgot to mention that or I didn't respond well in this way. You have to, have to make a conscious effort to remember it. That means it's no longer a wound, is it? Now, you know, that's a difference between that because we've all done stupid things, surely. Um, but then, you know, the wound is when you're sitting there and crash, crash, crash. You have no choice over it, it rushes in on you. So you don't choose to remember. You can't. It just comes rushing in you know, at particular moments, or particular pauses, or particular signals that you get from the world around you. Suddenly flashes, and the whole thing triggers again. That's what can stop. I mean, surely, consciously, one can work out. Remember, you know, the time I fell downstairs drunk, or whatever it was. <laughs> You know, whatever you do, you know, crash the car, or, you know, swore at somebody or something. But it's not, like, haunting you. That's, that's, you know, probably not kind of go to a level. that's the kind of thing that can occur. The point that you have to make an effort to remember. <laughs> and the Buddha said, it's rather like, you um, know, um, when the mind is made great, when the, when the, the mind is made great, it's like dropping a, a spoonful of salt into the river, into the Ganges River. Yeah, you could say there's salt in it, but the main thing is, big river, don't notice it. You put salt in a, a, a half a cup of water, then you notice it. What's happened? The mind has been made great. The mind has been made great as it made great through development in body and through development in mind that's how the mind is made great same karma you could say same historical person you could line up the series of events the mind is great doesn't have the affliction this is possible otherwise the Buddha wouldn't have taught it and he simplified it. Certainly, you know, you look at some of these arahants, and uh, you know, Angulimala, night called nine hundred and ninety-nine people. You could think he could have a few difficult memories. Can you <laughs> <laughs> Did a bit of bit of demerit there, but uh, so it's a great example. Angulimala, I like to put him in my shrine. I didn't do anything as bad as that. Yeah. Or you know, was it Patachara the nun, who on one day lost her parents, her husband, and two children all killed on the same day, yeah. and she became a too, and went completely mad with grief over the pain of all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, some of those actions, the death the children could she could certainly attribute them to herself a lack of expertise in looking after a young one. So just imagine that. Right. So, yeah, a few painful memories. But when the mind is made great, it's not that that didn't happen, it's not that one can't go there if one wishes to and express regret or con- atonement or Whatever, but it's not the haunting. It hasn't been embedded in you. The arrow dropped out of the wound. Now, you yeah. Know, so when the wound is live, it, maybe it seeks an arrow to fill it up because then that feels familiar. It's it's weird. It's it's really weird, but that's the way the ignorant mind is, it seeks to confirm itself. You know, it wouldn't, doesn't make sense, but we're not sensible creatures. <coughs> it seeks to confirm itself, yeah. in its misery, if necessary. It seeks to, that's called bhava tanha. Craving to become something historical, continuing in time. It's that weird that you end up you know, enjoying the taste of your wounds, licking them again and again. It tells you who you are. And you thought, sort if of, you think that isn't weird, but <laughs> we are weird. <laughs> well, ignorance is very weird stuff. Ignorance does weird things to people <laughs> So, where you know, it begins, you're just, just losing the flavour for it like, I've been lit, I've done this enough it isn't going to get, licking it again isn't really and then you get down to it and direct in the body making the body great. So the mind is made great by making this embodiment great. That gives it its, you could say it's the valley for the river to run down. It has to have a nice, big, wide valley. We start to dig and open and widen and soften, widen and and soften, deepen, widen and soften, deepen, get further, and then your mind's gonna run down that channel. Otherwise it's gonna go running down every little groove and niche and cranny of sensory world. It's gonna run into something. If you don't create this, it'll run into something else. And there's plenty of alternative places for it to run into, as you all know. Obsessed with, get fascinated by, distract with. Getting into this one, making it big, so the mind, ooh, comfortable, ooh, direct, ooh, always here, ooh, easy. Making it that. So that's your foundation. One of the foundations just to keep doing that time and time again. Ninety per cent of your work. Ninety yeah. percent of your work on mind is about generating a mind of goodwill, atmosphere of non-proliferation in terms of malice, inferred hostility, guilt, regret, sorrowing, beating oneself up. And so forth, mm. and the two will tend to go together. Mm. Once you've created a big enough channel, a channel that isn't built upon, you know, the personal history, a channel built upon the body, then you've got a chance to generate a healthy channel rather than one that's generated through I'm supposed to be like this, they've told me I am like this, which is how we normally dig out channels. Yeah, no, this has nothing to do with all that this is just transpersonal. run down that and the mind of free from the cramp of goodwill, of ill will the cramp of personal construction with all its stressing mm. Flow into that. You know what I mean? This is the river that can dissolve your sorrow, dissolve the wounds. But like if you know, like if you take the image of the wound and you see, you know, by the way the body heals it. Once you create a wound, and you, your body will then immediately start patching it up. It doesn't look very nice, you know. And you cut. Skin, you cut a couple of inches of skin open, it starts to knit, it doesn't look very good at all. Chuck colour changes, gets scabs, it sort of doesn't look very pretty at all. The healing process is not especially pretty and it hurts. It's sore and you want to scratch it maybe. So you just leave it be. Keep putting the health in, putting the health in, and gradually that scab will form and then flake off then you can have some nice skin again. That's possible. Remember we are dealing with living tissue. Tissue of mind, tissue of body. It's like a, it doesn't snap back like paint job. You know, just spray it and it to come out nice and shiny and pretty colors. It doesn't happen, it slowly changes. It changes. At least it feels more real and alive. And then it starts to become beautiful and really beautiful. Uh, so this is how, you know, in a world of thorns and words, noble ones become thornless, woundless and abide in beauty. just come down to it you know. those triggering points Okay, you know one has been affected one does sense the nature of the (coughs) the the hurt bit the afflictive bit, the compulsive bit and right now we can't stop that happening then the first thing you check the reaction and you build up that ability to check the compulsive jump Viveka, stepping back, widening, softening, broadening, deepening into your body. Softening your attitude, not changing it, fixing it, getting over it, but more compassionate, gentle, open with that. Mm-hmm. Dispassionate, more, well, it's just like this now, just like this now. No stories, just like this now. Things start to stop, ceasing of the whirling on. I am that can be generated through that, and this will have long-term effects. There may be indeed times when you really something clicks, and you know that perception drops, that memory drops, that. uh, it's gone. You, know, you don't get Anything, any interest in that surging of I am. That's what the first thing that goes is the compulsive reaction to it. First of all, it takes time to just keep checking it, and then, oh, that one's not happening now. You know that when you see, sense that's not happening. You know, the self blaming I am, the intimidated I am isn't happening. The guilty I am, they, everybody hates me I am, that one isn't happening, then you know oh, the healing process is underway, it's underway, and uh, this is for my welfare, great, stay with this, uh, until that can happen, that increasingly less and less does the feeling, the contact, generate the person. Until the perception and the feeling are just that, doing what they do, and there's nobody there it lands on. And the purely mental ones, the ones that are purely based upon memory, are defunct. They have to be consciously brought back, they have no uh, life in them. Yeah. And then I Namah